Okay, go for it. Introduce it to uh, I always introduce the main episodes, so you should do the bonus episodes. Perfect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fanatic Pod. Uh, we're doing our first bonus episode today. Um, when are we going to be releasing this, by the way? Is this going to be on a Monday or uh, or just some point in the middle of the week? Yeah, I'm thinking we'll just put it somewhere in the middle of the week uh, because obviously we want to stick to our weekly schedule with the main episodes. That's the whole crux of the podcast. I think yeah. it doesn't make sense to delay an episode just for a bonus. So I'm thinking like on a Monday or a Tuesday, break the week up, you know, give our viewers something more to look forward to. Sure. So we're going to be occasionally doing these bonus episodes if we find something intriguing to talk about. Yep. I think we've kind of struck some gold on this first one. Oh my god, we have struck some serious gold. I, okay, so just for context, what we're about to talk about, I watched two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I've been waiting for Tim to also watch it because it's so good. And I'm really excited to finally talk to, to Tim about it. I really we would have am. done this a week ago, but my laptop quite <laughs> literally spent a week updating. It took a week to update over that. like It was about, about seven or eight days to update, right? That's yep. really weird. So... To give you an idea, I've not had my laptop on in my flat ever since I moved into it about six months ago, and there's been a number of Windows updates. It's been... uh, So I turned it on to watch the Fanatic on DVD, and it took a week to update, only finishing today. Absolutely crazy. Mental. So the thing that we're here to talk about, and the thing that we looked at this week, the DVD has some extras, only two at least in the version that we've got, because you said, I think, last week that you ordered the alternative copy. There are three versions of the DVD on Amazon. Uh, I've got the other two on order, because I hate myself, apparently. They haven't arrived yet, but they're on order. All right. But the things that we looked at, and I don't know if you looked at the trailer on the extras. I didn't watch the trailer, no. I only watched the the making of for this uh, bonus episode. So I watched the trailer and the making of. Okay, so we, can we talk about the trailer some other time? Because I didn't think to watch that, honestly. Sure. If I'm honest, you're not missing much with the trailer. Okay. Uh, they All they really did was they kind of downplayed Leah in the trailer, I feel which like is the, a crime against the podcast. I feel like they downplayed Leah in the, the, the making of as well. She's almost like Leah, Todd the God, and these characters are kind of... They're there for story narrative purposes, but then get put on the back burner very quickly, almost forgotten about. Yeah, but the making of is a little 10-minute, I guess, documentary thing Yeah, that they put out mm-hmm. that focuses on Devin Sauer and the producer... Oh, I forget his name. I've also forgotten his name. Let me David Grocheck or something like that. Uh, I think that's the name. Yeah, it, it is da, 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 David Beckman. David Beckman. Okay, I, I was close. Um, oh, Dave Beckman. Yeah. So it's mostly them talking about the movie and working with Fred Durst, but it gives us a little bit of insight into some of the scenes that were cut from the movie and some yeah. shots that were cut from the movie uh-huh. and alternative versions of scenes. Yeah. Which is really interesting. And if I'm honest, I think that that version that was cut down and altered would probably have been a better movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was honestly going to save talking about this towards the end. But for reference, I've got an entire A4 page of notes of things that I took from this, the making of. See, um, I watched this three hours ago, so it's still <laughs> pretty fresh. All right, cool, cool. So let's talk about my favorite um, scene that was cut 
from the movie that we got revealed to us in the making of. And mm-hmm. I think you know exactly what scene I'm going to talk about. And that's an, so. unse- that's an unseen fantasy scene. Yes. So in the main movie, Moose has a number of fantasy scenes involving Devon Sauer, mostly signing books and being like, hey, you're my friend. Yeah. In In the making of, there is a fantasy scene where Moose and Devon Sauer have swapped roles. And down to the outfit, Moose is wearing Devon Sauer's kind of normal clothes, and Devon Sauer walks in in, like, Moose's Hawaiian shirt and stuff. It's fantastic. It's weird, though, because they haven't changed mannerisms. They've just switched roles. Yeah. The whole (laughs) thing is that Moose is sat there reading a script on a couch. Yes. And Devon Sauer kind of leans into frame and says, Oh, hello, Mr. Moose. I'm a big fan of your work. And Moose says, Oh, I'm pretty I'm a pretty busy guy, but as you're a fan, you can sit next to me and I'll sign anything you want. And my favorite part is not just that he says I'll sign anything you want. He says, and since you're a big fan, I'll sign any amount of items for you. I'll sign 37 items. <laughs> like- and then he says, Have you seen all of my movies? And he says, I've seen all of your movies, Mr. Moose. To which Moose responds with, then I'll sign two more things. Oh my god, I forgot about that bit. Yeah, oh, it's such that's... a weird, weird scene. You, But what this gives us insight into, and this is how Moose's mind works, he feels like because he's seen so many of Hunter Dunbar's movies, he has the right, he, he deserves to, to have this stuff signed, right? Yeah. So in the flip side scenario where he's putting himself in Hunter's shoes, he's doing this because he believes... This is what he's owed as a fan of Hunter Dunbar. And it's it's really interesting and would have given Moose so much more character had it been left in the main movie. It's it's a bizarre scene. And if I'm honest, I think it really would have worked. I think it would have worked kind of well in the movie. Yeah, I don't know why it was cut. I don't know. The the bit that intrigued me the most and kind of flips a whole perspective on Devon Sauer's character, Hunter Dunbar, is in the alleyway scene. And in the movie... Uh, Devon Sauer does essentially what would be the rational thing of just walking away from a slightly pushy fan. Yeah. He just walks away. Like, he makes a mild threat of, like, after he gets a bit too close, he's like, how about I sign your face with my fucking fist, buddy? That's a clever item you're not going to want to take home. Exactly. Yeah. But in the alternative cut, we see Devon Sauer shove John Travolta to the ground. Uh Uh-huh. And it's only there for a moment, but to me, that kind of provides a whole new perspective. Yeah. On it because at that point moose hasn't done anything malicious he's just he's just a bit been a bit over pushy that would have honestly justified him at least writing the letter i think i think so yeah i mean i don't think there's anything wrong with moose writing the letter itself because like he's picked up that he's upset hunter dunbar yeah yeah but at this stage he hasn't done anything to physically he hasn't done anything physically to Hunter Dunbar. He's not gone near his house. No. He's not, you know, he's not left a letter. He's, you know, not tied him up or anything. But after being a bit pushy, Hunter Dunbar pushes him to the ground and walks away. Yeah. Which would be an assault. That would be. And not that would justify Moose's behavior, but that would at least like set some more. The story hook would be more powerful, I think, if that happened. Yeah. I think that was just a really interesting scene that kind of offers a new look at the uh, at the character of Moose. 
Yeah. Um, there's another unseen scene, which it's you don't even really see the scene. You see them watching the scene through a camera. But Brenda, yes. Hunter's wife, um, you only see her in the Tanner scene where she's in the car in the alley right before the aforementioned alleyway scene. Yeah. But there's a shot of her in the making of which is her it's like her walking around hunter dunbar's house like on the outside looking in trying to find him or something yeah and I, I, in my head i've been trying to place where in the movie this takes place and i can't help but feel this was supposed to be the discovery of glorious body i feel like i think you're close in, like where i kind of placed it was right after hunter's arrest Okay, she's looking for Danny, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, it, it, at the very least, there's like this scene of Brenda, no words, just kind of looking around the grounds of Hunter's house. And I, I was excited to see Brenda again because, you you know, she actually, she was seen again, right? Yeah, she's a very one and done character. Uh, the, just uh... like, <laughs> I mean, not quite Dick level because Dick's two and done. But yeah, there's lots of those one and done moments, aren't there? Yeah, I it, I just thought it was offered a really interesting <coughs> perspective into what Fred Durst was kind of going for. Yeah. The other thing I noticed as well, and this is me kind of putting on my movie buff hat, when the producer David was talking about the films that John Travolta has been in and how he's meant to be bigging up this movie. Oh, I know exactly what excited. you're going to say. Yeah, he did. Um, I've actually got this in my notes as well. He didn't sound excited like... The way, and the reason I say I'm putting on my movie buff hat, I don't know if you remember when uh, Spike Lee was promoting Old Boy. Yes. He did not seem excited like he did in his other works, like with Black Klansman or what have you. It's almost like he knew. It's Yeah, it's like he knew this was going to bomb mm-hmm. and this is going to be bad. But I think the other thing I kind of want to talk about with the making of, it seemed, well, obviously it's, it's done from like, almost the perspective of Devon Sauer, which is a bit of an unusual way of uh, doing a behind the scenes. You'd think something like this would usually be on the focus of John Travolta, right? He's the the, the quote-unquote protag. He's like the big name. Yeah. It is unusual for sure. But the thing is, it's Devon Sauer and the producer essentially just talking about John Travolta. And Fred Durst. And Fred Durst. Yeah. For about 10 minutes. And there's there's a lot of stuff there that I would like to bring up um, that uh, in regards to them talking about both John Travolta and Fred Durst and what it's like to work from them. Because a lot of my notes, while I was excited about these bonus scenes, really focused on the way they spoke about these other people. Yeah. And... I've got things in my notes here like, okay, so um, the script has been in creation by Fred Durst for about 10 years. That was revealed to us. So it's been in writing and iteration for about 10 years. And the part of Moose was basically written with John Travolta in mind, apparently. So while John's only been involved for the past kind of five years, Fred Durst always had John Travolta in mind for this role, which is weird casting to me. Yeah. The other thing... Yep. Sorry to interrupt. The other thing is that this film was originally called Moose. I was about to bring that up. That's literally the first line of my thing is, um, well, the working title was Moose. I'm glad they changed that because the Fanatic's a far better title. Yeah. Um, but even Devon Sauer on the on the official release of the Fanatic in the making of says, we're on the set for Moose. And then a big epic title with graffiti text and huge energy says the making of Moose. Like, 
It but feels like it was a last minute change. But it's in the same style as the opening credits of the movie with the paint kind of dripping down and the warped colors and the yeah. changing camera. It's it it does feel like a last minute decision to change it over to the fanatic. Good call. Yeah. For, for real. Tim, if this movie stayed called The Moose, what would you have called this podcast? Uh, the Moose Minute. The Moose Minute. I would have called it The Meese. The right? Meese. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's another line which I thought was amazing in this making of, and it's where Devin Sauer was talking about Fred Durst. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the energy that Fred Durst brings to the set. And he says it's like this metal, this punk, just this massive energy that he brings to the set. And then immediately after he says that, it cuts to a shot on set of Fred Durst directing. And it's the most fucking dead scene. Like, it's the, the energy is beyond low. They're all just there looking depressed while Fred Durst is just staring into a camera. And it's like, that's not the cut you want to make after Devin Sauer makes that comment i kind of picked up on something similar because they, they were talking about being like oh yeah fred durst is being this really creative tour de force and then like it cuts to a shot of him eating like a bit of fried chicken off a plate yeah just like it's blowing like, on this chicken well i don't get we're not seeing what they're describing yeah at all and i think that kind of harkens back to the producer not being overly excited about this. And I get the producer may, they may not be a particularly high energy person. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. But if they're comparing this shit to things like Saturday night fever and pulp fiction, Mm -hmm. which Um, they do multiple times. Yeah. Okay. So not only are they describing this movie as similar to pulp fiction, but one thing I've picked up from Dave, the producer is that he's not fond of the movie but what he is fond of is the character of moose oh my god he loves moose Mm. and he starts saying this is going to be a cult classic character on the level of pulp fiction and on the level of all these amazing like iconic characters and i what in what world was moose ever going to be this hugely like cult hit iconic character i don't know I really don't know. And I think it's interesting when they talk about cult characters, they only reference John Travolta's characters. Yeah, then um, Devon Sauer talks about Hunter Dunbar very briefly right at the start, and that's it. Yeah. They never mention Todd the Guard. They never mention um, Leia. They never mention Dick. But, I mean, who likes Leia to talk about Dick? Leia is seen once in the making of, and it's and one And that's in the alleyway scene, right? That's the alleyway scene. Yeah, the other alleyway scene where they're breaking into the party. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot to unpack in yeah. the in the making of. I don't know if you've got much more in your notes. I've got a couple of quick fire things that I picked up from. Sure. So these are just small little facts that I noticed, which might might or might not be important, but hey, it's things that I've wondered throughout watching it and now they've been answered. Uh, first of all, Hunter's house is shot on location. It's not a design set. They're actually in a house. Yep, in LA. Um, yep, in LA. I, I think that's the LA scene. Um it has uh, to be. Yeah, I think it is. I think we've even we've even said that we think Hunter Dunbar's house is in, in LA, and then a lot of other stuff is actually in Alabama, Birmingham. Yes. Um, another thing that I've thought a few times is are Hunter Dunbar's tattoos real or part of the character? Um, those are Devin Sauer's real tattoos. They so are. There we go. Um, I, I noticed that. You know, he has had those exact same tattoos while working in this. Uh, and then two more things: Devin and John have worked together before. 
They have. I didn't take the time to look it up, if I'm honest. I wanted to look it up. In fact, I yeah. might even do it now. Yeah, do it, because I, I was going to look it up, but then I thought, maybe I'll quiz Tim and see if he knows. But yeah, so Devon and John Travolta have worked together before, and Devon Sauer reveals this by saying, I've worked with John Travolta before, not quite to this level, but it was really good. And then uh... while, while Tim's looking this up, I'm going to go ahead and say the last little tidbit I picked up. Devon Sauer really looks up to John Travolta, uh, and like he is a huge fan of John Travolta, he sings his praises for like five solid minutes about how much he's learning from him. Mm. I feel like John Travolta could be learning more a bit more from Devin Sauer based on their performances in this movie. I think Devin Sauer just like it's no secret. I think Devin Sauer does a way better job than John Travolta in this film. And I think it's there's this weird juxtaposition in my mind of Devin Sauer being this incredible performer. And doing so amazing in this movie. And then he's the one looking up to John Travolta, who's fucking playing Moose. And it's like, what? Okay. So I found the film. It took a little bit of Googling. Yeah, because I Uh, I couldn't find it quickly. So I gave up quite quickly. Sure. So for context, I typed in John Travolta, Devon Sauer, which you would have thought would have brought up the multiple results. And all it came up with was the fanatic and critics bashing the fanatic. Some even referring to it as John Travolta's rock bottom. If you actually Google the producer, Dave Beckerman, uh, you only find things about the fanatic. Yeah. <laughs> which is This terrible. is kind of like a real stain on their career. It really is. And what I found, uh, I typed in instead John Travolta, Devon Sauer movies, mm-hmm. trying to come up with stuff. And I found a film called Life on the Line. I can't say I've heard of it. Never heard of it, but sure enough, it's John Travolta and Devon Sauer, and it came out in 2015. Uh, it's got a 5.2 on IMDb and a 24% on on Metacritic. Okay, so let me run something by you, Tim. Bonus mm-hmm. episode where we watch Life on the Line. Maybe? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that one sit like kind of in the back of your mind for a little bit. Oh, no. <laughs> Hang on. What, what, what is it on Rotten Tomatoes? I've just seen... Uh, it got a 0% on the tomato meter on, Rot- on Rotten Tomatoes and 35% of the audience score. Oh, God. So this... that is not good. This could be an interesting bonus episode, I think. All right, I'm down. It's not on YouTube, it seems, but it is available to rent or buy on Amazon Prime. We'll find a way of watching it. We'll find a way. Yeah. Cool. Was there much else you had in your notes? No, that's about it. It's pretty much all covered now. It was only we've spent twenty-one minutes talking about a ten-minute-long making of. I think even that's a little bit overkill at this point. But yeah, really interesting stuff. Some scenes that shouldn't have been cut gives us a bit of insight into maybe the editorial process and how they didn't really know what they were doing. Yes, yeah. uh, or maybe they felt like it interrupted the flow of the movie, which you know. Also a viable thing, to be fair. Like, yeah. As someone who does edit, like I edit this podcast, for example. And I also edit my own podcast as well now, yeah. That's true. And we'll bring that up in the main episode because I feel like that'd be worth plugging in the main one. Sure. Sweet. Uh, I don't have much else to say on this, if I'm honest. No, um, I've pretty much said everything that I want to say. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that this is the only thing I know of Dave Beckerman. And... Yeah, like you say, he didn't seem fond of it, and maybe maybe they should have caught on to that sooner. But hey, if the Fnatic never came out, we wouldn't have this podcast, right? So um, yeah, so much everything I want to say. Do you know something? I have 
I don't know why, but the name Dave Beckham and you just said just then reminded me. I had a dream last night that involved David Beckham. I knew you were going to mention David Beckham as soon as you said that. I don't know why. Okay. I don't know. Do I don't talk about much, it? I don't remember much about the dream, but I remember there was a car crash and David Beckham was there. Okay, cool. I yeah. can't even picture David Beckham's face enough for him to appear. Oh, no, this is like thing. 90s David Beckham. Oh, like from when we were kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember that David Beckham at the World Cup. Um, yeah. In fact, I'm looking at Dave Beckerman's IMDb page now. And interesting. Okay, so he was a writer and producer on The Fanatic. He was an actor in The Black Door. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, and he was, uh, and he was involved in the st- well. Who's a stunt driver for oh, mo- for the Mo Crew? That's interesting. Weird, but that's the only three films he's had an active role on. The other films, it's just thanks. Oh God! Right. Um, well, all sarcast here, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this bonus episode. It's been fun. This will be fun. We're going to go record a main episode now. So, yeah, we're actually going to go and sit on the watch after this wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Talk to you all soon. Toodles. Bye.